so welcome to from the shed end episode 14 um a, a different episode today um of, as always i'm joined by uh theo so first and foremost how are you doing theo i'm really well thank you um looking forward to the start of the euros tonight and also finally recovering from my numerous hangovers from the <laughs> Champions League celebrations so um not, yeah, not just me though just, <laughs> not just you now <laughs> um yeah so yeah definitely um i think on the last one i was still probably if not drunk i was probably definitely hungover um so it makes a change um but yeah so as always you can follow us on at from the shed end um that's on twitter and at from the shed end with underscores within each of the words on instagram as well so um as always give us a like comment um, subscribe to our youtube channel as well um and obviously we're live at the moment so if anyone is going to join us and hopefully we can get some interaction from them. But um, on today's episode, um, which I think we've been hoping to do for a while, but obviously now's no, the you know, perfect time to do it now, um, is to go through what we think is our best 11s of all-time Chelsea squads. Um, I've based mine, and I'm hoping you've done the same, but I've based mine around the sort of Premier League era. So anything pre-Premier League, I haven't included. Um, obviously, there's some really good names that we could mention, but um, I've kind of kept it from, you know, say 90, 90s, 90s to current day um, mm-hmm. as much as possible. So I'm hoping, I think you might have done the same. Yeah. I, um, how are we going to do this? Are we just going to go from each position and go from there? And um, Yeah, I think maybe just li- start of every position and list our kind of, person we think is the worthy shout out for that position um, yeah. i think most of the time we should be in agreement i feel but um but then you know just back back what we kind of you know our choice with a bit of information and why we think they're the, the worthy um player for that position but um, yeah. i think that's the best thing to do and then worth maybe mentioning what we're basing it on maybe um kind of consistency longevity at the club um what they've mm. achieved at the club so if it's a defender clean sheets they were a goalkeeper it's more of a striker, you know, goals, important goals as well. I think that's quite important to note. Yeah, and also uh, maybe affection with the fans, you know, that kind of bond that they've built with the fans um, throughout their time at Chelsea. That's kind of all the kind of different factors and considerations that I've looked at when I made my uh, my eleven. Okay, so no no better place to start than our goalkeeper. So I'll let you go first. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've got the same one, but yeah, I'll I let think you, I'll we let have. You have I think we yeah. have. I think it can only be um, Big Pete uh, Petacek. Um, yeah. Signed him, you know, from Ren, 2000, 2004. And my God, did he? Did he I don't think any Chelsea fan expected maybe much from a goalkeeper like Petacek. But um, since he joined Chelsea, he won four Premier League titles. He was the winner of three Golden Gloves. And then I think he won a fourth one when he was at Arsenal. Um, in total, 162 Premier League clean sheets. And this is across all of his time at Chelsea uh, at, uh, in the Premier League, but he made 1,005 saves and only conceded 333 goals. So when you kind of put those two, you know, numbers together, it's almost it's crazy. Like the save rates, you know, the number of shots that he's faced is ridiculous. Mm. I'm pretty sure a lot of those goals that he had conceded were maybe part of that those couple of seasons at Arsenal <laughs> rather than Chelsea. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> So definitely, um, you know, I think it'd only be Petr Cech as the goalkeeper. And if you look at that 2012, um, you know, Champions League tri- triumphant campaign, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Drogba, Drogba saved us, you know, the winning goal and the winning penalty. But I think it was Petr Cech on the night, you know, in Munich, he, he saved the penalty from Robin an extra time. He made some huge saves, not just in the final, but in the build-up to the final in that, um, that leg at the new Camp against Barcelona. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he was an, you know, an amazing player and it was a difficult one when Courtois did come in because it was the right kind of choice to do, maybe, you know, move on an older keeper to bring in a younger one. But at the same time, it felt really, really harsh on Petr Cech. So I still felt he had maybe two or three years in him. But um, yeah, it can only be Petr Cech in my opinion. Um, the fact he's, he's was Chelsea number one for a, over a decade, um, you know, says it all. And he was also, he's still working at Chelsea now as a technical director. So um, yeah, for me, it can only be Petr Cech. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah, first name on my team sheet was uh, Petr Cech, seven million, which in today's world is a bargain for what we paid for him. Um, like you mentioned, you know, Champions League. Beyond that as well, you know, you got to look at what he he won. I think it was four Premier Leagues, four FA Cups, three League Cups, uh, Europa League as well. So, and obviously the Champions League. So that is something that you just can't, you know, for seven million and like the stats you just provided as well. It's you know, it's, it's, you can't put a price on that in, in today's world, you know, in today's market. You just couldn't because um, we've had some really good goalkeepers over the years. And you, you know, you go back to Ed Dehoe as well, who was a brilliant goalkeeper for Chelsea. Um, we've had some bad ones. I think we had Mark Bosnich on the books at one point as well. So um, even, you know, Carlo Codicini as well, who, who's a brilliant goalkeeper. Um, he, he, you know, he would have probably been been there as well. But I, I think you can't overlook Petr Cech. He's just... Um, you know, even before um, his his injury that he sustained at Redden, um, you know he was he was probably it still is you know even afterwards he was world class. But there was that slight change I think after he had the injury, uh, maybe for half the you know the, the remainder of that season when he came back, um, which slightly changed him. And I think it would change anyone, but he still showed the, the class that he, he had in terms of the technical abilities. Um, you know, just being able to be one of the best shot stoppers in, in the Premier League, if not the world as well. Definitely, yeah. Um, just, I mean, I've been to Stamford Bridge many times and some just Petr Cech saves that just stand out to me. It's mm. actually not a Stamford Bridge one, but it was at Wembley in the 2012 FA Cup final when Andy Carroll had a point blank, point blank um, header and somehow it just bounced off the crossbar, I think, or Petr Cech pushed it onto the crossbar. But just when you watched a replay and I think Carol ran off celebrating because he thought it'd gone in. He'd but, gone um, in yeah. but yeah, but check somehow, you know, you know, the technology shows it and the replay show it that he kind of clawed it off the line and just saves like that, you know, not a lot of goalkeepers are able to make them. And I, on my five-a-side team, I play a goalkeeper. So I really appreciate, you know, what it is to be a good goalkeeper and what it takes yeah. to be a good goalkeeper. And Petr Cech is, you know, just one of those keepers that, you know, we'll look back on in many years to come and think what a keeper he was and what a, you know, how he saved us in such crucial games as well. So, mm. yeah, an amazing, amazing player. Yeah, and like you mentioned, he's still there as part of the um, his technical director, isn't he? So it's good to obviously see him back. And he was definitely um, still vocal, I think, during the um, the European Super League, um, that game at Stamford Bridge. I think I vaguely remember he got out off the team bus and was pleading with the fans. So he's definitely, you know... Um, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a Chelsea through and through, isn't he? Um, number one on both our team sheets. So let's move to right back, um, which I'm, I'm hoping you've gone for sort of, sort of like a 4-3-3 three, three or some sort of formation like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Four, so 4-2-3-1, I've gone. Yeah. Okay, so let's go for right back. Who's your shout? I've actually gone for Cesar Azpilicueta. It would have it would have been maybe different had he not been the captain for us in the Champions League, you know, campaign that's just gone by. But I think the fact he's captained us to a Champions League triumph is worthy enough for me to be in the best 11 for Chelsea 
And similarly to Czech, he arrived um, at Chelsea in 2012, I think 7 million as well um, from Marseille. Absolute steal at the time. I don't think we expected much from him. Um, and since then, he's kind of cemented himself as a, you know, a regular at Chelsea. Mourinho once said, you know, give me a team of 11 Azpilicuetas and I'll win you the Champions League. And, you know, it goes to show that he's every manager's dream to, you know, to coach. And he's very versatile as well, which is great, you know, as what you want in a defender. Mourinho used to play him as a left-back, I think, when Ashley Cole was coming towards the end of his career. Mm. Um, he's often played at right-back, you know, you know, you know, a lot of other managers. And in the Conte and the Tuchel system, you know, he's played in that back three. So um, a great player and, again, a really good role model on and off the pitch, I feel. He's been great to a lot of the young players coming into the team, the likes of Gilmore, Mount, Abraham, all these young players. That Azpi as a captain, you know, says a lot. And I'm not going to lie, first time I saw him, you know, with the captain armband, it was, you know, players like Cahill and Terry who kind of really understood the club, even Lampard. I was mm. a bit apprehensive. But since then, you know, I think he's really showed what Chelsea means to him as a player. and. Um, I think, you know, it's, it'd be a bit sad not to have him in a Chelsea 11 because I think he's, he represents what Chelsea is right now. And he's the captain. He's, he captained us to the glory in Porto. But that being said, I think a player that you might mention is still in my team, but as a centre back. So I'll let you <laughs> say, say maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I went for Branislav Ivanovic mm-hmm. at right back. Um, very similar to Czech. Um, I think he arrived, I think he arrived in 2008. From yeah, locomotive Moscow, 10, ten million, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. So I thought um, very similar to Czech. You know, I think he's won pretty much everything possible in English football um, and European. I think he won a Europa League and a Champions League with us. So um, three hundred and seventy-seven appearances, I think thereabouts. Yeah, got so, that number down as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's um, yeah. He was he was amazing for us, and I think what swayed it for me was that although he. He sort of ended his career and you could see the decline coming with um, Ivanovic during the end of his career, but he gave so much before that. He was so ver- like you know versatile, you know, he was a brilliant defender, but he also got forward as well. Um, you know, he caught, scored crucial goals for us as well. There was a couple of goals where he just, he just didn't expect it from Ivanovic, but he, you know, he'd always just pop up from somewhere and he'd score brilliant goals. Um I think that, yeah, the Europa League final against Benfica, he was brilliant then as well. So there's so many different qualities that he had. And like you mentioned, you know, you could play centre-back as well, which um, a spear quetta, um, you know, playing left or right, we could do that. Um, but Ivanovic was just, for me, he was just, yeah, it was him or Albert Ferreira. I was thinking about Ferreira as well. He was, you know, he was one of the, the other ones that I was going to mention, um, which I, I will do, you know, now he's an honourable shout-out. But um, for me, we, we got him for a bargain, like you said, 10 million in today's market, he'd probably go for, you know, a hundred times that because he was that good of a player. And I'm pretty sure, I don't think West Brom have released him just yet, but, you know, he's still he's still playing football now, which shows, you know, he's still got the competitiveness to play in the Premier League as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly touch on Ivanovic because I've got him as one of my two centre-backs because I really wanted to squeeze both <clears throat> Ivanovic and Azpilicueta into my team. <clears throat> as you mentioned, absolute bargain for 10 million from Locker, Lokomotiv, Moscow. Um, I think you know. I think he was, had a bit of a slow start, but then he kicked things off with that, those two headers I think, against Liverpool at Anfield. Yeah. Every time you know they'd announce his name at Stamford Bridge, it'd always be two goal Branislav Ivanovic, and the fans would go crazy. But um, he did pop up with some really, really um, vital goals. You mentioned the, the header against Benfica that won us the Europa League in the last minute. Um, the winner against Napoli and um, yep. this round of sixteen at Stamford Bridge, which still for me is one of my favourite ever goals that I've seen at Stamford Bridge. 
Yeah. And um, also, I think the, you know, that really, really kind of endurant game against Liverpool in the League Cup a couple of years ago, I think four or five years ago, when he scored the header in extra time. Yeah. You know, you've got to remember, he's, I think he was approaching his early 30s, but he still had that energy to, you know, pop up in the penalty box with a header like that. So an amazing player. And as you said, a very versatile could play um, right back, centre back. Um, and I think, you know, if, if he was still playing, you know, in his mid 20s with the level he was before, he'd easily go for a 70 mil, I think. Oh, yeah. Easy. Think, you know, what Ruben Diaz has gone for and similar type of player. So really, really underrated at the time, but great player. And, be foolish as again not to have him in your best 11 yeah definitely definitely so you've done your goalkeeper right back and I suppose we can tick off your first centre back so I'll give you my first centre back which will be um, John Terry and I think that goes without no explanation no, no surprise yeah <laughs> um, you know Chelsea legends um, it's over 700 appearances I think 717 I think I've got down here. Might be wrong. Might be a bit more than that. But um, I, I've got nothing to say, really. There's nothing I can say about him. You know, he's one of the best, if not the best, defender, centre-back, defender in the in the Premier League to this date still. Um, still holds the, the records for the most goals as a defender. You know, came through the Chelsea Youth Academy at the time as well. When you think back, you know, all the you know, early 2000s, early 90s, uh, late 90s, that was just unheard of. You know, there wasn't many youth players coming through Chelsea at that time and also who stayed at the club as well. Um, you know, obviously mid, mid 2000s, there was always, you know, players getting their heads turns, you know, legends at the club, boyhood, boyhood fans who played for their clubs were getting their heads turns and going abroad or going to different clubs. But, you know, John Terry didn't, you know, he stayed to the very end and, um, you know, I'll never forget his final his final game. Um, how emotional! I think you was there, wasn't you? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, <laughs> it was a you know an emotional game. You know, um, not just for him. I'm sure the fans, players around him as well. So um, he, he's got to go in there. There's, there's, uh, you know, I said Petrček was my first name on the sheet, but I'm lying. I think it's probably John Terry because you just got to put him in there. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, you mentioned he was the he's the highest scoring. Um, Defender in the Premier League ever with a 41 goals, which is a lot for a defender. Yeah, I think probably the only defender elsewhere in the world that comes to mind with as many goals is probably a Sergio Ramos or something like that. Yeah, but um, you know, when you want to create an amazing centre back, it's almost like you need to put a bit of John Terry DNA, you know, to clone that amazing centre back. He represents what Chelsea means. He's the you know big banner still in Stamford Bridge, saying captain, leader, legend, and similar to Jack, he was the first player on my on my team sheet for my starting 11. But um, I was there for that game against Sunderland when it was his final appearance for Chelsea. I was, um, I was still at university at the time, but I made sure to take the train back to London. I wasn't <laughs> going to miss that game, you know. There was no chance I was going to miss it. And, um, I just remember it was a beautiful sunny day in London and it just felt like really... Was, we were very sad to see John Terry go, but the vibes that day were amazing. We lifted the trophy as well, so it was a great way to, you know, great send-off for him. And... Um, it was very emotional though when he gave that speech. I rewatched it on YouTube recently. Yeah. Um, that amazing speech, you know, how he goes from thanking everybody he's worked with at Chelsea from the kit men to the managers, to the players. Um, and even now, you know, he's still, he's assistant coach at Aston Villa, but I still feel like he's almost still involved with what Chelsea do or their activity or their scores, you know. He was at the Champions League final a few weeks ago. So yeah, yeah. That ties you everything, yeah. doesn't it? He was in Portugal, wasn't he? But um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, just an amazing player and I still feel like somewhere in the near future he's going to play a role at Chelsea, whether it's coach or 
you know, youth coach or something along those lines. But um, mm. but it's just, I just feel like we're not, one of those players that once, when he left us, you just didn't feel like we were going to ever replace him. You know, I don't think we'll ever do as well. So um, no. No. definitely um, there's only one John Terry, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think, I think we've we done, we done our best in trying to get Gary, K- K- Gary Cahill to be that substitute in terms of what John Terry was giving us. But, and he done well, you know, Gary Cahill had a good, well. yeah. done really well, but you just can't replace talent and world-class ability as, as good as John Terry. Um, you know, another moment that sticks out in my mind is the, I think it was the, um, the final against Arsenal and he's, he's almost swallowed his tongue, I think, and he, mm. you know, gets rushed off to hospital. Um, yeah, you know, those kind of moments, he would, he'd put his body on the line just for anything, you know, he'd done it at the World Cup, I think a few years ago as well for England. Um, you know, he didn't. He just dived in with his head. He didn't really care as such. So I think he's one of those that just he wants to be. He's a leader. He wants to be. He wants to win everything. Um, and you can still see that passion, like you mentioned, that he's still got with um, you know the association with with Chelsea as well. Yeah, and even when he was captain, the stuff he do off the pitch, you know, the help, you know, the youngsters. I, did, I spoke about um, um, or as he's done as well. But I think John Terry was probably you know a role model in that aspect for helping the youngsters through the academy. And also has an amazing video. I still rewatch it every year of a, I think a, a young Chelsea fan who was a bit ill, I think. And John Terry took him to the mega store and just bought him yeah. everything he wanted. And um, then, you know, took him to the, you know, in a dugout and met, met him meet Mourinho Abramovich. And, you know, not a lot of captains would, you know, devote so much time out, out you know, off the pitch to, you know, dedicate it to the club and to help the fans and the youngsters. But I think John Terry is one of those players that does do that. And, and he does it with a lot of pleasure as well. Um, a lot of yeah. people, you know, say one of the most nicest Chelsea players they've met off the pitch is, is John Terry and how he's, he's always willing to have conversations with them, chat to them. And he gives a bit of rival fans a bit of stick on Instagram, which is always <laughs> nice to see as well. So, um, yeah. so, yeah, definitely John Terry. I agree. I agree. Um, so I think I've got another centre-back, haven't I? I think yeah, I've done, my two. I've done my I've two. done two. So this one again... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was tough, but ooh, say it was tough. It was quite easy, but because I, I, I was doing it last night, I kind of nearly changed my mind. But I've gone for Ricardo Carvalho. Um, the partnership between him and John Terry was just—I think that's what made mm-hmm. you know those winning years under Mourinho so successful. Because I just think that partnership that they, they had—you um, know—people talk about like Lescott and Phil Jagielka and how their partnership was good, Vidic and uh, Ferdinand as well, but. You just look at John Terry and Carvalho together. They just knew each other through and through, you know. And I think as as, as two centre backs, you need that that sort of understanding. Um, but just in terms of Carvalho, um, again, you know, part of that um, Porto side wasn't he? I think um, Jose obviously was aware of him beforehand. So um, yeah, that, they won. Did they win the Champions League before? Two thousand and four. Yeah, they did, didn't they? So I think they'd won the Champions League. Yeah. So he knew what he knew what he was getting with Carvalho because he's already you know he'd already managed him, but um, yeah, just again instrumental in in terms of FA Cups and League Cups. Um, I think he yeah he got did he get six? He had six years at the club, didn't he? Yeah, he was there for six years. Or, yeah, he left in two thousand ten, I think, to Real Madrid, was it? Yeah, he did. So, I mean, he, for the six years that we had him, or I think thereabouts, you know, he, he gave his all. He gave his all. Um, 
again, I think he may have chipped in with the odd goal. I might be wrong there, but I think I do vaguely remember. I'm remembering a screamer goal. against Spurs somehow. I yeah, know, yeah. It stands out, yeah. Yeah, but um, he, yeah, he was my, my, my next one because I just think, you know, the partnership that they had um, and what we were trying to build at the time in terms of what Roman Abramovich was trying to build at Chelsea as it is now um, was a key part of that, you know, the defence as well. Mm. Yeah, I've got I've got Carvalho on my bench. Actually, he was it was a really tough one between Ivanovic and and um, Carvalho. Whether I play Ivanovic right back and Carvalho as a centre back or Ivanovic as a centre back, but um, but I've got him on my bench. And for me, it was just that partnership, as you mentioned, with John Terry that made him you know really stand out. It was it I think fifteen goals conceded in the whole two thousand and four two thousand and five campaign? I think yeah. it was fifteen, yeah. and that was mainly due to the Terry and. Carvalho partnership and how solid it was as those, the two centre-backs and the Mourinho and that really gave us that foundation you know for the you mentioned those, those upcoming years of success and and silverware so he's got to be you know in that team somewhere Carvalho I'd have mm. to agree yeah I agree I agree I think we're going to I think we're going to agree on the next one hopefully um, no one's going to have Graham Lasso, but um, I'll let you go again so who, who's your left back uh, it's got to be Ashley Cole it's got to yeah. be Ashley Cole I mean <laughs> For me, um, you know, there's a lot of football debates in the Premier League, particularly Schmeichel and Czech, Gerard and Lampard, maybe even more recently David Silva and Mata, those type of debate, debates. But no one really comes close to actually calling that left-back position in the Premier League mm. era. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, Andy Robertson or maybe Patrice Evra. But for me, it's a big no. It's from no. Ashley Cole's the ultimate left-back simply based on consistency and, you know, what he's achieved at the club since he's arrived. He he was amazing at Arsenal, but I think he lacked mm. a bit of, he wanted a bit more, you know, ambition. They were, he kind of maybe anticipated that things were looking better at Chelsea than Arsenal for those upcoming years. I think, we, was it 5 million plus Galas for Ashley yeah. Cole? Yeah. Again, an absolute steal when you yeah. look back and um, amazing player. Again, you know, recent kind of Champions, that Champions League campaign, the goal line clearance against, against Napoli mm. in Naples when we were 3-1 we down and he, comes out with this amazing goal line clearance and in your, in your head you're like okay he's cleared it off the line but you know we're still gonna we're 3-1 down and we know things are looking really dire and bleak for us then you look at the second leg when we come back to win 4-1 and you realize how vital that goal line clearance was to us and that's what Ashley mm. Cole brought to the club was consistency in you know he cemented an amazing partnership with, you know with every single player he played particularly this English centre-backs in the likes of Gary Cahill and John Terry and um, you know so I'm so pleased to say, you know, we've had the best ever left back in the Premier League era to play for us. So mm. it's got to be actually called for that consistency and being that best um, left back. Yeah. And I, I echo a lot of that. In fact, all of it. I think he, I'd, it goes far as to say he was probably the best left back in the world at one point. True. Yeah. Um, there was no one near him at all. And you think about international level, what he was doing. Um, I'll be honest, actually, I'll go back. I, I remember when we done the deal, because I think it was it was one of those deals that happened very close to the deadline. And I remember, because I loved William Gallas, I thought he was a brilliant, brilliant player, so I loved him. Um, and I hated Arsenal. Well, I hate, hate's a bit of a strong word, but I disliked Arsenal. Um, and I just thought we were getting the, the bad end of the stick. I remember thinking, this isn't going to work. I, d- I just don't know why I wasn't very keen on, on maybe because he's from Arsenal, but... When you look back, five million plus William Gallas for probably arguably the best left back we were ever going to see in our time. You know, he's, you know, you, you can't make things like that up. And he, he won everything um, domestically 
and in Europe as well. Very similar to a few of the others I think that I've mentioned so far. Um, attacking, he was brilliant for me. I thought he was, you know, people talk about now, you talk about, um, let's talk about the right side. So people talk about like a Reese James or a Trent Alexander-Arnold. Ashley Cole was all of those things. He could defend and he could attack and he could get, you know, crossing a perfect ball, which is almost what you'd expect from, you, you know, your, your left back or your left wing back or whoever, but, you know, you'd want, want them to be able to do that. Um, still there at the club now, I think as well. I think he's an academy coach, isn't he? So, you know, he's, he, again, another Chelsea product that's, well, I'll say Chelsea product, but someone who loves the club, obviously he's still there. He, you know, he, the way he talks about Chelsea now, um, you you wouldn't think he played for Arsenal, so um, yeah, he's he's definitely for me arguably the the best left back um, still to this day in the Premiership that we've ever seen. True, yeah, and even I'm, I'm just remembering now the his penalty against Bayern Munich in the shootout. Yeah. He just rifles it into the the top corner and it kind of sticks there for a bit before dropping down. Drop down, yeah. But um, for you know for a left back to put in those type of penalties is quite impressive, and so yeah, amazing player and. It, Forget yeah. he was Arsenal simply because he represents what Chelsea is. So. Yeah, and yeah, like like I say, I think he he's definitely more swayed towards the Chelsea side than the, the red side of London. Um, talking about penalties, though, you just reminded me he missed a. I think it was the FA Cup against Everton at Goodison, and he missed a, yeah. a bad penalty. Yeah. And I remember I was good. I was so I was good because um, I think we should have won that game. But but yeah, no, he's definitely been consistent. Um, one of the best fullbacks arguably today you know in today's market he'd probably go for stupid amounts of money you know you'd have to pay more than what any, you've probably paid for any defender or player in the Premier League to have him in your club so left back Ashley Cole I, I agree um, okay so let's move over to the midfield which I think relatively should be very similar to what you've got but I'm going to again as always I'm going to throw it straight back over to you so you've got a, I think a holding player I think have you that I've okay. got two holding players, meaning that okay. that obvious player that I think we've both included is shifted more into a number 10 role. So okay. um, I've gone for, simply because I just, I think it'd be any football fan's dream to watch these two players play in the same team. I'll, I'll list both of them together, but I've gone for Claude Makalele and Angolo Kante yeah. in, in that <laughs> same team. I mean, they're very similar in abilities in a way, but um, Makalele, he's got a position named after him, you know, that number six yeah. role, the Makalele position. Signed them from Real Madrid in 2003. You know, when you sign any player from Real Madrid in 2003, that Galacticos era, you're like, okay, we're getting an amazing player. And yeah. boy, was he good for us. You know, he, he's still kind of a cult hero amongst the Chelsea fans. Absolutely amazing player. And I'm just remembering an interview he did with the France national team, I think before with the 2002 World Cup, when they asked him, you know, how, how he asked all the French players, how do you feel about the prospect of playing Ronaldinho and Ronaldo when they were about to play Brazil? And all the French players would, you know, see him, you know, it's a big, big chance for us. You know, it's going to be quite nerve-wracking. They're amazing players, but we'll give it our all. Then they asked Claude Makélélé, how do you feel about playing Brazil and the likes of Ronaldinho, Ronaldo? And translated to, to English from French, he says, I don't give a shit. You know, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, I'm just giving my all. And, you know, that just shows, you know, that his mentality and his charisma and yeah. amazing player. And Angolo Kante for me um, maybe would have been in the squad had we not won the Champions League two weeks ago but I think mm. the fact he's put in all those amazing mad the match performances in that run up to the final you know the two Madrid legs and then the amount of the match in the final and he does a lot of the dirty work we talk about a lot of a lot of uh, a lot uh, about Angolo Kante on this podcast but um, 
He covers every blade of grass on the pitch. He recovers the ball. He wins it back. And we mentioned it in a previous episode, but I think if he has a very good Euros this um, this this summer, I think he's in line to win the Ballon d'Or. And to have a Chelsea player who's a potential Ballon d'Or winner is amazing. So it would be almost silly not to have him in my starting eleven. And mm. again, I think he was player of the year, PFA player of the year, maybe 2017 in the Conte's yeah. first season. Yeah, he was, yeah. I yeah, think so. so, so I think he won at Leicester as well. He did, yeah. Maybe two years in a row he might. Yeah, mm. But Premier League winner of two different clubs, you know, as well. Two years in, in a row is amazing. So, uh, yeah, a French connection of Makaleli and Kante. Um, be that amazing to watch. Field, it'd be amazing to watch. I don't think any, any midfielder or striker is getting past you. No, um, not at all. You know, we might as well not play a defence or a goalkeeper. <laughs> you wouldn't need it. You wouldn't no, need you it. wouldn't. But yeah, I just um, want to put the two together because they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. I, I, do you know I, I've got him on my bench, so I'm gonna. Uh, I agree with you completely. You know, I think it was um, it was tough. You know, I, I sat there and I, I took him out, put him back in, and I thought, no, just keep him out. And I agree with you. The reason I didn't is because originally when I did this a few months ago, um, obviously we hadn't won the Champions League. The season was still ongoing, um, but I agree for the reasons as to why you put him in because he's de- for this season as well. He's been, you know, first class, hasn't he? So I went for Claude Makélélé. Which again, you've, you've explained why I think you know getting him from from Real Madrid 2003, like you said, you know what you're going to get. You're not going to get a rusty Makalele. You're getting prime Makalele. So um, yeah, I've gone from Michael Essien as my next player. Um, arguable, you could argue this one because he was, you know, he had two bad cruciate injuries, um, which hampered a lot of his career. Um, at Chelsea but I think he still had nine seasons with us albeit that he had injuries throughout them but made 256 appearances Um, you know he he won um, two Premier Leagues four FA Cups a Champions League he's someone for me that was just he was just a brilliant midfielder to watch I just can't I just can't put into words how the strength that he had the pass that he had sometimes as well that link up play that he had as well I think he was just hampered with injuries and I think um yeah it was just it was just sad to see obviously that he he didn't get the we didn't get the full potential out of Michael Essien which um I'm sure if, had we we done that you know we would have had a, a brilliant player in there but um you know for me he's just very similar to some of the, a lot of the, you know we have brilliant midfielders Michael Balak could have probably got in there at some point as well um so it was hard to kind of narrow it down to just one but for me Michael Essien was just he done he done so much based on the fact that he was he was quite I mean he was probably injured a lot of the time that he was playing as well. Um so for me it was Makalele, Michael Essien mm. in in those roles. And he's not really a defensive midfielder. I wouldn't put him down as a defensive midfielder, yeah. but he could play there as well. Yeah, I've got him on my bench, but um you highlighted his his strength. For me that was what stood out for Essien with me. Um they nicknamed him the Bison because he was so powerful in that midfield role and just those goals he would score, you know, he just smashed the ball against Barcelona in that semi-final yeah. and the one against Arsenal, it just yeah. rifles in. You could watch those goals on repeat, you know, for the, <laughs> oh, yeah, an amazing player. Um, it was tough to put him on my bench because I did want to try to squeeze him in, but um, but for me, it was just that makaleli kante partnership that I really wanted to see, which meant and I, I put Essien on my bench. But, um, but yeah, if it wasn't for his injuries, I think he could have, you know, been one of the world's best mid- midfielders and, Mm. They will be playing to this day, maybe in a smaller, you know, a smaller league, but um, hampered by injuries, which is a real shame. 
because yeah, I think he was nominated for the Ballon d'Or, wasn't he, for 2007? Mm-hmm. I think he got nominated. Yeah. And I think he got nominated for the African Player of the Year that same year, I think, 2007. So, but I think he, I think, I'm sure it was Fred, Frederick Canute won that year. Mm. Um, I, but I might be wrong. He missed the whole, I think, 2010, 2011 season with injury, I think. And then yeah. he came back the season after when he won the Champions League. And yeah. I think we loaned him to Real Madrid and he came back for half a season afterwards yeah. when Mourinho came back as manager. But um, yes, shame about his injury situation. But um, what a joy it was to watch him in his prime. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I'm sure we've, we've, there's no way we can have a midfielder out of our team. So surely... Um, We've got the same player down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be super frank. Yeah, I've got him in my number 10, so just ahead of Makaleli and Kante. But, um, um, I was going to ask you reasons, but I, I, I still want to hear them. But I mean, yeah. same, same really as Czech Terry, you know, first name on the, on the team, maybe a, same with the striker that I'm going to talk about after. But 211 goals, you know, our highest ever goal scorer with Chelsea. Yeah. Um, just... For me, you know, he was one of my idols growing up. I grew up watching the likes of Terry Lampard and that partnership they formed. And just amazing player, really good role model on and off the pitch. I actually, he lives right by my, by my house in, um, near, near, near Stanford Bridge. And occasionally I, across, I walk past him walking his dog. And yeah. he, similarly with Terry, just loves chatting to the fans. He's a bit more, he's a bit shy in person, but um, mm. An absolute gentleman, and he always stops and talks for pictures. And is that even an amazing picture after he got fired as Chelsea manager a couple of days later? He was smiling for, for you know with a fan taking a picture. And um, box, you know, there's not many box-to-box midfielders I can think of nowadays. But for me, he was the ultimate one. Maybe it's a bit of being a bit biased being a Chelsea fan, but uh, for me, he's the greatest Premier League midfielder that's ever existed. Um, over Scholes, over over um, Steven Gerrard. People, I don't know how people can compare Fernandez to him at the moment. You know, Fernandez. Don't get me wrong; he's a very good player, but I think he's still got a lot, a lot to do um, before mm-hmm. reaching that level of Frank Lampard. And you know, when you think goal scorers of 211 goals for a club, you think the likes of Thierry Henry, you know, the likes of uh, these big strikers that you know will get into those goal scoring positions. But Frank Lampard, you've got to remember, he's a midfielder. From midfield, to have 200 goals of a club as a midfielder is huge and most of the time it'd be outside the box as well. So, you know, his ability to kind of get into those positions and, you know, just some, some of those passes I, I saw him, I think this amazing pass with the outside of his boot to Drogba, the pass for Ramirez at the new Camp mm. is, you know, it's almost like any kid who wants to be a midfielder growing up should watch the likes of Frank Lampard to think, you know, to get that technique and ability and really, you know, have that role model player to look up to. And just a, when he scored the the winning the goal that made made sure he'd um he'd be the record goal scorer at Villa Park. For me, that's one of, one of my favorite memories as a Chelsea fan is seeing him on Petr Cech's shoulders um, at full time, celebrating in front of the Chelsea fans. And yeah. I think he was already on a yellow, and he wanted to take off his shirt when he would scored, but he doesn't really know how to celebrate. Yeah, so I like John Terry. Um, you know, Mr. Chelsea, and an absolute joy to watch him and. Um, I, as we spoke about before, he'll he'll come back in the future to have a role at Chelsea. For sure, yeah, yeah, and and I can't. I mean, I've, I've got him down, but I just I didn't really write much for him because he's, again, he's very much like Terry. You know, I just I, I, there's not much I can say about someone that just um, you know from 2001 to the day that he retired as a player from, well, say retired but left to move on to other clubs um, from Chelsea. He's just been 
amazing, you know. Um, I was watching the Bolton game. I think it was the, was that 2005, I think? Um, Bolton. Mm-hmm. And just Rebound, the game that, yeah. yeah, that game was just amazing. Um, it's just, yeah, you'd have to watch it again, rewatch it, and just, just to see how Lampard was then. I mean, he was just, there's no one near him at that point. You know, we, people talk about Scholes, Gerrard, and, you know, other midfielders, but just in terms of what Lampard did, and what he won, you know, everyone says, you know, Gerard, he's won the Champions League X amount of times, but, you know, Lampard's done it all. He's done everything possible within his career that he could do to win whatever he could, and he's won it all. So I, I just, 211 goals is, is is no easy stretch for a midfielder. And like you said, you know, we're not talking about an Alan Shearer or, or a Matt Letizia or, you know, a um, Thierry Henry. We're talking about a midfielder that should just be having assists and a couple you know a couple of goals maybe 150 goals at most but to get 211 is just it, yeah you know you can't you can't take that away from someone you know and and very much like Terry uh, through and through you know Chelsea through and through regardless of West Ham and his connection there um you know he's, he's, he's Chelsea through and through mm-hmm. yeah love him love him I've still I'm looking over my bedroom over there I've got a poster of him and, uh, <laughs> and I still got the 2000 my very first Chelsea kit I got two, I think I got the Chelsea goalkeeper kit with Cudicini on the back at the time. Yeah. But the second one was the white away one, the Umbro away one yeah. with Frank Lampard 8 on the back. And since then, he just became my idol and I looked up to him. So amazing player, amazing player. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think they should uh, bring him back in some capacity. But what I also want them to do is to give the number eight shirt to someone who's uh, up to the job next season. So we'll see. But um, let's, let's move to our forwards because I think... Um, this is going to be interesting. Um, uh, how, how are you working this? Have you just got your front, front three, or yeah. have you got? Yeah, I've got two wingers and a striker, and then striker. Okay, so let's go for right wing. Who have I've, we got? I've gone for Gianfranco Zola. Um, yep. Slightly before my time, um, I didn't really get to watch Zola in his prime when I was, you know, must have been about a toddler at the time. Yeah, but even just watching YouTube videos of him now and that goal against scored against Norwich, it's like flicks you would that you know you, you dream you dream to do on a playstation forget doing on re- in real life yeah. you know? so, um I, I think i was reading i don't think we've given the number 25 shirt oh, it's, it's been retired yeah yeah, and, yeah you know i think that we haven't really done that with any other shirts i think the 26 will be the next one yeah but um to have a shirt you know retired in your name is a huge honor because it says a lot about the type of player he was and i was fortunate to meet him before a chelsea game and despite never, you know, being in Stamford Bridge to watch him play live, I was starstruck when I met him. Yeah. You know, I'd be starstruck more maybe having met like the likes of the Lampard or Eden Hazard or at the time, I think it was Espiritueta and Oscar, these type of players. But when I saw him in front of the Millennium Hotel before kickoff, I was just starstruck. I yeah, you know, heard so yeah. much about this player. I'd seen so many videos. So, you know, when people talk about legends, they mention John Terry, Frank Lampard and then Gianfranco Zola. So, and he's an absolutely gentleman in real life as well. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I just almost dream of, you know, being able to watch him play, you know, with the other winger I'm going to talk about as well. To have those two wingers in the same team would be, you know, would be magical. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And uh, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I'm a bit older than you, so I vaguely remember, well, I'd say vaguely, I remember watching Zola, um, 96, I think we got him from Palmer, um, I think it was Rude Hullet. I think Rude Hullet brought him in or Viali. I think it was Rude Hullet. Because um, I think Viali was still playing then, I think. Maybe he was, he was coming into that player-manager role. Um, 
but yeah, he was just, I mean, if you, if you wanted to look at what Messi, you know, what Messi is now, he was our Messi in a sense. He was, he was small, short, he could keep the ball to his feet, you know, players would, couldn't tackle him. Um, he was just a little wizard on the pitch. Um, and, you know, there's all that, that story as well around, um, you know, when Roman Abramovich came into the club and he, he, he tried to convince Zola to stay for one more season because um, he knew how good he was. You know, he knew of the quality that he was going to lose out on when he, he brought the club. So it, it shows you how high the, you know, new owner comes in and the first thing he wants to do is keep one of his best players. So he, he I mean, he was brilliant. You know, he, he won FA Cup, League Cup, Super Cup, um, Cup Winners' Cup. You know, th- those, those things at the time as well were just, as a Chelsea fan at that time, you know, we weren't winning Premier Leagues and, and FA Cups all the time. So to, to win, to win all those things in that short space of time that we had him, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, I've still got a kit somewhere, I think from, I think it's 98, the 98 kit somewhere, um, which is just, you know, it probably doesn't fit me anymore, but it's just... Um, yeah, just that, that kick takes me back to Gianfranco Zola, just that that moment. So um, for me, easily, you know, um, had to get in the team mm-hmm. easily. Was there anyone that, well, we'll get back to that after. I was going to ask you if there's anyone else who's going to put there, but we'll do that afterwards. But let's go to left wing, because I think, again, I think very similar. We'll, we'll have the same name. So who, mm-hmm. who have you got on your left wing? Eden Hazard. <laughs> Can only be Eden Hazard. Yeah. Um, I did mention, you know, to have Zola and Eden Hazard, those two little tricky magicians in the same team would be a joy to watch similar to Makalele and Kante but you know Eden Hazard he Premier League player of the season um, player of the season in 2014-15 PFA player of the year in 2014-15 PFA fan player of the year in 2018-19 then he won Chelsea's player of the year four times and those are just individual awards mm. and, you know the team awards he contributed to for two Europa Leagues two Premier Leagues uh, one, one FA Cup, one League Cup. So you know he's and just I probably was not like I can't really say the same about Zola, but I was probably at the majority of I'd say ninety percent of the games that Eden Hazard played for us at Stamford Bridge, mm. and it was just a joy to watch him at the time, an absolute joy to watch when he went on that run against Arsenal and spanned Cockland like a <laughs> like a Beyblade or something. Yeah, every single yeah. Chelsea fan was just I think it was a pause when the ball went in because we couldn't believe it. You know, we couldn't believe what we'd just yeah. seen. You know. <laughs> and it was just amazing and that gets same that goal he scored against West Ham you know when he just yeah. runs through and he makes it look so easy as well like almost as a, a string attached to the ball in his foot so it keeps it so close to him and an absolute joy to watch and when we lost him to, in 2019 after the Europa League final in Baku mm. I was obviously distraught but at the same time I was just so grateful for everything he'd given to us and contributed to and yeah, we spoke about this in a previous episode, but he almost overstayed at Ch- his time at Chelsea. He wants mm. to leave the previous summer after the World Cup, after having such a good um, World Cup with Belgium. I think Abramovich pleaded him to um, stay an extra season, which he agreed to. He had a gentleman's agreement that you know, yeah. I'll stay one one more season, then I'll, I, you know, I want to go to Real Madrid. I want to play under Zidane um, the following summer. And that that last season that he played for us at Chelsea, which was probably one of his best, if anything, the 2018-19 mm. one knowing that he was going to leave at the end, knowing he didn't really have to give anything, you know, anymore, just goes to show what type of player he was to us. And um, I think quite similar to Zola in a way, very silky, very tricky, maybe a bit more of a dribbler, but um, 
absolutely uh, another type of player you know we haven't really fully replaced him yet like John Terry like maybe Frank Lampard I don't think we'll ever be able to replace them I think the closest thing we've, we've got to uh, Eden Hazard and we saw kind of sparks of that last season at times was Christian Pulisic but I don't think it even comes close you know mm. what Eden Hazard was able to do and I think the three goals that stand up was the one against Arsenal the one against West Ham and the one in, at Anfield when he kind of comes in from the touchline and just darts in and it's just, it's just, uh, I'm almost like, I love talking about his goals because it's almost poetry in motion at times watching yeah. him. But, um, but yeah, he could, he has to be my, my left, my left winger for me. Yeah. And 32 million, I think is what we paid mm. for him as well, which is a good, again, another bargain, uh, which worked out to be a bargain. Uh, we obviously didn't know that at the time, but um, one goal that does stand out for me, and I'm only going to mention this because I watched the full game um, two nights ago, I think it was Spurs, um, I think Leicester were waiting, waiting in the mm. wings to, to pick up the, the the Premier League, and that that goal was just yeah. it was almost out of nowhere. Cause I think Costa assists him, doesn't he? He just sort of rolls the ball. I mean, Hazard makes the goal. I think he picks the ball up in midfield yeah. and then he just passes it to Costa. Costa, you know, um, lays it off for him. But it was just a, just that goal, and I think what it meant as well because obviously I think Leicester Leicester were probably potentially going to win the league anyway. Um, I don't think they were. Um, there was any way that they could have not won that league. But I do think um, I do think that there's um, the, the option for Hazard to to come back to Chelsea at some point. Yeah, yeah I, think I think it's still it's still it's still in the you know in the pipeline, and I think it will it will happen at some point. It was talked about it possibly happening this summer even, but. Um, he kind of he cemented his legacy now it'd be a shame for him to come back and if he's not the same player he was to kind of ruin that legacy but at the same time just to see Hazard at Chelsea in a Chelsea kit again with fans being maybe allowed back to the bridge next season I think would be a real mm. treat for us you know just to even have that kind of spectacle of just seeing Hazard back at the bridge but yeah. um, you know he's playing for a rival club now Real Madrid we played them in the Champions League this season but it's almost like Chelsea fans still want him to do well because that's how much mm. you know he means to us so um I really hope he has a good Euros as well, because that can maybe yep. you know, galvanise his, you know, his time at, at, um, at Real Madrid next season if he stays. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So one position left. Um, I'm going to let you go first again. I'm sure there's only one name on your, your well left on your team sheet. So who you got is your striker? I've gone for Gonzalo Higuain. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I've, gone, I've gone for DBA Drogba. It can only be DBA Drogba. Um, yeah. 104 Premier League goals. I think he scored 177 in total for us. Um, 10 goals in cup finals, which is crazy, you know, a crazy amount. Yeah. I think four goals in total in FA Cup finals and it was won four separate FA Cups, which mm-hmm. we all won in the end. So I think when you think of, you know, the big big game player, you think of DDA Drogba. You think of a cup final, you'd, what the first name you'd want on your team is DDA Drogba's. And... I think we would have never won the the Champions League in 2012 if Didier Drogba was injured. If he was, you know, there was talks of him maybe leaving the previous summer even, mm. he was, you know, yeah. getting a bit older. That we kept him for an extra year, I think made us win the Champions League. And he was just an absolute powerhouse as a striker. Mm. It's a bit of a weird one. The goal that stands out for me is um, kind of two similar goals, actually. The, the one he scored in the FA Cup semi-final against Spurs when he controls it onto his chest turns yeah. and smashes it in against Kudicini in a goal for Spurs and he scored a similar one against Liverpool 
know, controls it, turns and smashes it in. And he's just, you know, type of player that just wants to score goals. He's similarly to, you know, when you think of the Chelsea, you know, old brigade, you think of Czech, Terry, Lampard and Drogba. I think those four players all go together. And mm. to have those four players play in Munich in 2012 was amazing. And same, really, one of those players I grew up watching. Had, I think, a quite a slow first season. Uh, took him a while to score, I think. Got his first goal for Chelsea at Selhurst Park. I think a couple mm, months yeah. after signing yeah. for Chelsea. But um, I'm almost so grateful that Mourinho persisted that he wanted Drogba over. I think he was linked to a couple other. He wanted, at the time, there was Eto as a possible striker. I think we were being linked to. And there was a few other names. But you know, Drogba insi- um, not Drogba, uh, Mourinho insisted he wanted Drogba from Marseille, who... Started his career relatively, relatively really, late. Really late, yeah. yeah. Really, really late. For, his, for a footballer, anyway. Yeah, at 23 or 24, I'm not, not yeah. too sure. But I um, started quite late. And so, you know, for Mourinho to see something in that player and wanted, wanted to bring it to Stamford Bridge, you know, it was a huge from, from Jose. So, kudos to him. But, um, but yeah, just an absolute joy to watch again. An amazing player. And, you know, type of player now, whichever, any player that wears the number 11 shirt, you want them to do. You know, to, to do, to do well. well. It, we wanted to do well and make Drogba proud. So, yeah, I think you've got the same player on your team sheet. I hope. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't look at past anyone else. I think no. you know. Um, you know, the king of Stamford Bridge is yeah. what I think he's dubbed, yeah. isn't he? So, yeah. I think um, you know we could, we could be here all day talking about his goals. Um, the, the two you mentioned definitely stand out for me. Obviously, the the, the Bayern Munich equaliser, um, the penalty as well there's just so many key moments that I think Drop has been a part of and it's, it's strange because I think when he first came he had that very slow season where um, you know there was all that talk about you know is he just going to be a diver is he is he as good as he, he makes out and um, you know he was he was a slow burner you know he didn't he didn't he didn't take to the Premier League straight away and uh, you know I, look, I think about like a Dennis Bergkamp who was very similar you know he didn't take to the Premier League straight away as well when he went he moved to Arsenal Um but yeah, I, I just don't think you can um, you can overlook someone who's done so much in not even just at Chelsea, but like you say, twenty three um, as starting your football career to then go on to to win as much as he did at Chelsea. It's 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 amazing for me. I think he's again got to go down as probably one of the best strikers that we've had um, mm-hmm. ever. You know, we've had some really good ones, we've had some really bad ones. Um, but for me, Didier Drogba was just that. That's once he got that first season out of the way, he almost knew he was guaranteed a goal from Didier Drogba in yeah. most most games. And you know, we've we've missed that. You know, we've we've missed that over the years. We've obviously had Diego Costa, who was very very good at doing that when he was at Chelsea. But we haven't had a prolific goal scorer who can, you know, you know, if he's mm. got half a chance, he's going to take it. Yeah, I, was, I was about to say, yeah, you have, yeah we haven't yeah. really fully. Every time we talk about a striker, we say yeah. like, oh, he hasn't fully replaced drug, but yeah, the one that has come close, but only stayed for three seasons was um, Diego Costa. Yeah, and since then we really haven't filled the um, no. drugs boots. I feel it hasn't really happened. No. no, and I think that's that's the key thing that if you look at all the the times that we've been successful, we've got we've had a, a re- really good goalkeeper in Petr Cech. A really good goalkeeper in uh, sorry, good good defenders in Carvalho, John Terry, Frank Lampard midfield, um, and also Didier Drogba up front. The the three five players that we we really did need to replace is the spine, and that that shows how, how crucial that is. So, um, 
yeah, I agree. Didier Drop has got to be in there for me. But um, just before we wrap up, I wanted to give a few of the guys that are on my bench. So I had Iron Robin. Mm-hmm. He was on my bench. Um, David Louise made my bench because I think the first uh, stint at Chelsea was brilliant. Uh, when he came back from PSG, he was a bit bit all over the place. Yeah, yeah. so um, obviously I've mentioned Paolo Freire already. Um, John Obi Mikel, mm. I had him in. I didn't have him in the team, but I definitely mentioned him. Um, obviously, we mentioned Gary Cahill um, as well. William Gallas. And Cesar Aspiaqueta as well for me. So they, they were my, and Diego Costa as well. Yeah. I mean, I'll just point out that this, this, my team is managed by Jose Mourinho, um, yeah. three time Premier League winner for us. And, you know, I think he's, he kind of laid those foundations to have that winning mentality. But I've got, I went for a goalkeeper. I went for Thibaut Courtois. He helped us win two Premier Leagues and the Golden Glove in 2017. Yeah. You know, I know we still hold a bit of a grudge against him for the way he left, but we have to remember he was a very, very good goalkeeper for us. Oh, he was. He is. And then, yep. Yeah. And then for my outfield players, I've gone for Desai, Ricardo Cavallo, Michael Essien. I have put Cesc Fabregas in there simply ah. because he's, he's one of my favourite players to yeah. watch. And not so much, he only said, I think, three or four, se- four seasons, but... Um, still a lot. Still. Yeah, yeah. But just some of those passes he put together, you know, no player would be able to put that pass together and that link-up play he had with Diego Costa was beautiful to watch. Yeah. And then the other two, I've got Joe Cole and Diego Costa. Yeah. Joe Cole nearly made my team, actually. Mm. Um, he nearly made it over Eden Hazard. Mm. But it, it's tough. It's tough because you think about what are we basing it on? Are we basing it on just how good they were as players or what they achieved at the club as well? So, mm-hmm. um my my manager, just before we go, was Roberto Di Matteo. And the reason for that is what he did in the, the short space of time that he did. Um, I think that was, um, for me, was you know, brilliant. You know, you can't take that away. I think Jose Mourinho, brilliant manager, had all the tools to do what he needed to do. Um, but Roberto Di Matteo coming in, kind of fresh not knowing really what to do a lot of egos in that team at the time as well um yeah he done well you know I'm not saying he's a brilliant you know the best Chelsea manager I just think for what he did getting us to Champions League which no one expected us to he lost his best centre-back or arguably the best centre-back in the Premier League at the time in in John Terry for the final you know I just I I, you can't make that up honestly you couldn't so he he would have been my manager that I I, I, Jose and Roberto Di Matteo but Jose had the money Roberto Di Matteo just had the the backing of the team at the time so um it's unfortunate how he ended for him but yeah for me brilliant manager agree um I spoke about you know we wouldn't have won in Munich had we not had Drogba but I think as well we wouldn't have won had we not had Di Matteo to bring that team together particularly those experienced players who are kind of on the you know on the bench at times and the Villas Boas at the start of the season. Yeah. Like Di Matteo came in in March and seemed to you know bring everything back together, cement that comeback against Napoli. And even though maybe he wasn't the most experienced manager, I don't think anyone would have been able to do what he achieved at Chelsea in a short amount of time than him. You know, because he mm. being an ex Chelsea player he knew what it meant to represent Chelsea, to play under Chelsea and you know to play in those huge finals and one of an FA Cup, final, um, FA Cup and a Champions League in the in May 2012, which is which is yeah. ridiculous. So um, yeah. kudos to him as well. But I just went for Mourinho simply for those three Premier Leagues. Oh, you and, can't overlook him. Yeah. 
I'm glad. I'm glad we kind of you know we we found we didn't agree on the manager situation, but I kind of would have gone maybe Di Matteo as my second. Yeah, my second option simply because um he gave us the best memory ever as a Chelsea fan. I think a hundred percent, and I think that's what it was for me. You know, it's just the mm-hmm. fact that I think Jose brilliant manager but for what Di Matteo did in that short space of time and like you said the enjoyment I, I, you know I, even to this day I remember where I was and how I was feeling in 2012 and, and what you know what it meant to me and obviously very similar to the recent one as well but that that was just everything for me at, at the time so um, yeah Roberto Di Matteo definitely needs a shout out as part of the best of Chelsea's 11s or whatever we're going to call it. But um, that was interesting. Uh, I think we, obviously, we had very similar thoughts anyway, but I think it's uh, it's interesting and it'll be interesting to see what the, the listeners think, if they, they agree. Um, would they have changed it? Would they have had anyone else that we haven't even mentioned in their teams as well? So, um, as always, you can follow us and comment and let us know at From The Shed End. And that's on Twitter, at From The Shed End. And on Instagram, it's at From The Shed End with underscore between each of the words. Um, and Theo, I don't know if you just, as we wrap up, want to give the listeners um, your, your socials where they can find you. Yeah, so you can follow me um, at Sesky Time on, um, on Twitter. So Sesky spelled the Sesk Fabregas way and then Time. Um, I love interacting with you all. Um, I share a lot of Chelsea content and probably in the next couple of weeks, I'll be sharing a lot of Euro 2020 content as well, or my thoughts. And um, so, yeah, look forward to interacting with you all on that. Yep. Um, myself um, at T dot underscore producer. Um, I think there's a, a bag of mixed up stuff on my social so you might find Chelsea stuff or music stuff but um, as always follow me um, interact with me and I'll you know I'll definitely contact and get back to everyone because that's just what we do on social so um, this has been episode 14 the best 11s and from myself and Theo thank you for tuning into from the shed end podcast